Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth-seeking. Today, I'm your host, Dina Rao. I'm a writer in the MHNJ copy department, and today we're going to be discussing entertaining advertising, the kind of fun area where the line blurs between entertainment and marketing. And actually, it's become pretty familiar. We all know it. You know, in this day and age, they take many forms. You know, there's pop-up experiences and public takeovers. There's AI giants and, you know, stuff that we're familiar with, social and commercials. And sometimes we don't even realize that they're ads because they're so entertainment first. But we're going to kind of dive into what is entertainment? What is advertising? What's the value of an entertaining ad? And then how can we take some of those learnings about entertainment and really apply them to our space in healthcare. So I'm going to go around the virtual room and introduce my guests, starting with Zakia Miller, who we have here to my virtual right. Uh, and I would love if you could give your department, maybe your POV, a little bit of your background, and maybe speak to one of the first times or a memory or some feelings that you had uh, when you realized you'd just seen an ad that was actually kind of entertaining. So my name is Zakia Miller, as Dina <laughs> said. I am the social strategy director here at McCann Health. So doing all things social media as it relates to healthcare. And when I think about the first time that I've been advertised to, I don't think I knew what it was. But the first thing I thought about was, and I'm going to age myself here, my buddy. And it was this commercial for this little doll. And it was like, my buddy, my butt. I still remember the entire song. And then it rolled into, and then they had a kid sister. So my buddy was like the little boy toy, little kid sister. And I remember that. I can still sing the entire thing. And I just remember loving it and singing with it every time it came on. I think before I even realized what advertising was and commercials, like I was watching, I think Nickelodeon and baby bottle pop for me was like probably one of the earliest things it was like nah. i still sing that song to myself just because it was a bop and it still is it's like an earworm and i didn't realize like that entertainment kind of like was a hook that was strategic there was entertainment right. for a reason but yeah let's keep going ben would you like to introduce yourself and maybe some thoughts about your first entertaining album i'd love to my name is ben red i'm a brand planner with the bx design group here at ipg and an example of an ad that probably stuck out to me, I think I have to go all the way back to 2009, where I was in the third grade um, and I was watching the Super Bowl and a advertisement came on for Doritos and it was the crystal ball ad where the guy is like free Doritos at the office today and he shakes crystal ball and throws it through a vending machine. Obviously it's free Doritos. So, but that was like the slapstick of that ad was very appealing to my third grade brain. And so that still sticks with me today. It's still funny. Slapstick has that timeless comedy you know it also transcends language because regardless it's funny <laughs> dan how about you hi i'm dane Giannarkis, and i'm an engagement strategist here at mhnj i would really say any ad when i was a child but one that sticks out is gogurt and it was when they were sponsored by scooby-doo and like a brother would like eat the gogur and his head would turn into shaggy and then like the sister her head would mm -hmm. turn into scooby and then they would like start talking like Scooby-Doo. And I used to always hope that would happen when I ate my Go-Gurt. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the fruit leather, I'll say, that used to leave like uh, tattoos on the tongue. Did you guys ever have that? And like, oh, yeah. yeah, but it's not even about the product anymore. It's about the fun that you can have with it. Because, um, yeah, you can have that effect without even eating the candy or whatever it was. So first, thank you for sitting down and having this conversation with me and taking time out of your day. 
And hopefully this is just like a fun kind of exploration around these two worlds and where they meet and what we can leverage from that in our day-to-day work. So I do want to start with kind of defining entertainment, right? Because we do work in the advertising and marketing space. What is entertainment and why are we kind of considering it differently? So Dane, why don't you tell me what you typically consider entertainment? Yeah. So when I define it in like the purest sense of the term is probably differently than what you'd initially think entertainment is, but I would say it's anything that takes your focus, it keeps you focused, and it elicits some sort of emotional response. So when I think of entertainment, like before I'm like, okay, really, what is it? I'm like, oh, like a comedy show or an action movie, a sports game or something like that. But then you really think about it and you're like, the opera can be considered entertainment, even though to me, it's not entertaining, but to someone else Mm -hmm. it is or a sad movie like The Notebook or something, which I think also gets into the fact that what is entertaining to me might not necessarily be entertaining to someone else. So I think entertainment can really mold into what you believe it to be. Yeah, it's a great point. It's variable by person. Yeah. And then from like an engagement perspective, I was thinking about it and it can be face-to-face, in person, so you can go to a sports game and you can actually be there and you can be a participant and you're like, if you go to a baseball game and you're playing baseball, that's entertaining. Mm -hmm. Or you can be the person watching and that's entertaining. So it's kind of interesting that way. And then the same thing digitally, if you're watching a movie, the actors in the movie or kind of the person in the audience, it's like, Mm -hmm. it can be entertaining for both. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes me think of like Twitch as a platform for a lot of those people. It starts as entertainment for themselves and then they kind of transcend into professional where it becomes a business. But then, yeah, there's the observers that it's entertaining to watch these people entertain themselves. Yeah. I also loved your point about it being variable by person because that also makes me think of like horror, roller coasters even, you know, like being scared. That's like not a desirable emotion or experience, yet so many people will jump out of an airplane and terrify themselves. But that is a worthwhile, entertaining experience. It feels like the range of emotions, positive and negative. It's not like initially we'll think comedies and entertainment, but there's a whole range of emotion that really can be captivating, right? Yeah, that's why I want to definitely like underscore like emotion 100%, but also focus and captivating because I'll bring it back to the opera. I would be bored. I would be counting the lights on the ceiling if I was at an opera. (laughs) So like I'm feeling an emotion, I'm bored, but Mm -hmm. I'm not actually captivated. So I think you need like that combination. Mm -hmm. I like to call it drama. Like we all seek out some type of drama, whether it is funny and comedic or if it's serious or it's heartfelt, whatever it is, it's like these dramas that play out in our lives that we kind of like seek for the moment because they captivate our attention. Mm -hmm. There's probably also an element to the drama extent of finding human connection. The reason drama is captivating, right, is because you're able to either hypothesize how you would react to this situation or what you would do if it was in your own life. You're able to put yourself in whatever that situation is and go, how does this apply to me? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Like when do we ever watch something and not try to like relate to that or exercise empathy or or then alternatively people say if they watch a story or something, oh, that's unrelatable. Like having that disconnect means like I can't necessarily relate to that content. So that's a great point. I think then what we start to get to is the difference between entertainment and advertising is that even though those dramas, those stories, that content and entertainment is often a product in and of itself, the purpose of the content is not to necessarily sell you the product typically, right? Because if you're watching that entertainment, you're already consuming it. 
executive, how would you differentiate advertising from entertainment? When I think about advertising, the goal is still to, I believe, entertain. You still need Mm -hmm. to captivate that attention. You still need to get them to stop. And especially when you think about advertising now, and for me, when I think about social media, like I got my chops in magazine publishing. So back then, 20 years ago, that was our social media. That's how you found out what people were wearing, what they were doing, what they were Mm -hmm. eating, all those things. And at that point, it was so cool to advertise, hey, you actually are going to be in the palm of their hands, right? That's what we used to say. Like they Mm -hmm. bought this and they're going to be flipping through. And then now we have social media, which is the same thing, but immediate, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody can open up their app and immediately be advertised to, right? In order to really pull that energy and that captivation of that ad, it's going to have to be entertaining Mm -hmm. because you're competing with other people in their real feed who are dancing or who are creating a joke. How do you get someone to stop to do anything, especially with a consumer ad, add healthcare to that? And now it's another element. Okay, like you've got to get over, like, did we stop them? Did we catch their attention? Are we entertaining them? And now can we keep them long enough to be interested in healthcare, right? Because it's just another level of people like, oh, I don't want another ad, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's how brands do it well is when their content can appear as entertainment versus an advertisement. Yeah, I remember, Ben, in your presentation recently, you were talking about that healthcare isn't necessarily funny or entertaining, but you know what, what Zakia is saying is that we kind of have to be to get their attention. So how do we go about in advertising doing that appropriately? That's a good question. And I think there's an important distinction, right? Because to Dane's point earlier, entertainment doesn't necessarily have to be funny. And that was kind of the thesis of that presentation, right? Like healthcare isn't inherently funny because these are real people with real life experiences and you need to be respectful of those experiences. But I still think there's plenty of room for making entertaining advertising or entertaining marketing content in a healthcare environment. I kind of go back to, I won't necessarily say the brand, but I'm sure you could recognize the tagline because they did the advertisement for the Olympics, which was proud sponsor of moms, right? Mm -hmm. That was a very compelling Mm -hmm. campaign about the human emotional story behind the athletes who are going to the Olympics. And so I think when you're considering how do you capture attention in a healthcare environment, you need to do it in a way that's really telling that human emotional story, because that's the Mm -hmm. thing that's going to pull people in. And it's the thing that's going to make people relate to the content that you're producing. I do want to ask, so that example with the Olympics and even scrolling social or opening a magazine, you know that you're going to see ads between content, right? You're generally there for the content, but you know there's going to be ads. Zakia, when you're scrolling social, how do you feel when you get an ad that's obviously an ad versus when you get an ad that's kind of disguised as a post and then you realize it's an ad? It really depends on the platform because there are different ads, different platforms. So um, I don't go on Instagram as often as I used to because of the ads. I feel like I'm served tons of ads and it no longer feels like a place that I was connected with my friends. It's true. That's kind of what it started out with. It's just mm-hmm. like you, you, you had your own little circle of friends, right? And now it's obviously opened up to something much larger. But like what I am served ads on TikTok, even though I know their ads, I'm naturally more captivating because the way their algorithm is working, they mm-hmm. kind of know what I'm interested in already. Mm-hmm. So it's so smart with the ads that they are serving me. And sometimes I have to remind myself, like, don't buy off TikTok. Like, I, <laughs> I sometimes have to talk myself off of a ledge. If after like a month I'm still thinking about something, then I usually will buy it. But like TikTok wears me down. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends. I don't feel like a TikTok ad is as invasive because they at least know it is hitting one of my it's interests. so curated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I feel like a common phrase nowadays is like, I bought it because of TikTok or something like that. No, it's true. But like just the other day, I was watching Hulu, which I hadn't watched in a while. And I had like the cheaper version of Hulu that still had like the advertisements. And I'm like, I got to buy the other one so that I don't have to stop every like 15 minutes to watch Mm -hmm. an ad. Like I want to get the premium service. So like in instances like that, because of streaming, I want my content right away and I don't want to be interrupted but growing up mm-hmm. you had no choice but to deal with commercial mm-hmm. like you yeah. just had to sit there and watch till your tv show came back on so mm-hmm. yeah built in time to run to the fridge for me and then try to run back there was an archaic thrill of trying to do a task and then run back get, to the tv get back before it started yeah because like you had to make the best of it right i still have my ads on youtube and i watch youtube probably more than anything i like that short form content and i'm really thinking about getting premium just because they are so disruptive it's before the video it's like 10 minutes into the video it's at the end of the video yeah and then i think there's more content after but something on tiktok and instagram that's different from YouTube sometimes and streaming is I can scroll right by it, right? With like streaming and YouTube, some of them are non-optional. You just had to sit there and avert your eyes so the brands don't win for like that 30 seconds or so. Until you can hit skip ad. Yeah, (laughs) until you finally cross that threshold, yeah. But that's interesting. So we try to avoid ads there, but then there's the Super Bowl, right? People talk about, I watch Super Bowl for the ads, right? And that is not the content in that instance. That's the disruption in between. Dane, I wonder if you can speak to what makes the Super Bowl ads so desirable? Why are they so different that people watch Super Bowl just with commercials? One, it's one night a year. They're highly anticipated. And advertisers know that they have 30 seconds to a minute to capture your attention. Everyone's actually focused on you for once. So they're spending millions and millions of dollars. And they're like, all right, we have one chance to do this. Like, this is the best we have. And I kind of think it's like the greatest hits of mm. that year of different brands. So it's kind of like, all right, what do you got? Like, let's see it. I think that's probably the allure to it. It's like the American con, like film festival sort of, but for brand commercials. Almost. Yes, for sure. It's like you already got to this huge event. It's singular. It's like one night a year where you put forward your best and your brightest and your greatest work. Zakia, like you were saying about curated content on TikTok, that it's so personalized. At least like you know that on TikTok. It's almost like the Super Bowl. We know that the content is going to be top tier. We tune in for the people that don't tune in for the football. They're tuning in to see the creativity. Basically, Mm. we want to see how creative was someone with their brand this year. And Mm. I think that's why creators have become a thing, because we're excited to see when someone can create something new and what that's like and that it entertains us. So that is like the one instance where I think TV advertising still has the ability to really make an impact, you know, with the Super Bowl. But for the most part, a lot of us aren't watching cable anymore. So it is like your one shot. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so. But then if you have a good commercial it's going to be all over social the next day anyway, right? So even if you missed it, you're going to see the best of the best, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. The one thing I was going to add to that is I think there's also in more of the afterwards component. It's the one point in the year where brands kind of intentionally add to the social commentary. It's where the advertising kind of transcends, oh, buy brand X. It's like, no, this is the kind of one point of the year where that brand chooses to tell a particular story or chooses to engage at a level that's beyond the typical kind of transactional advertising that you see. That is a perfect point. And I am going to put a pin in that because I do want to get back to like the relationships brands can have and the role that they play as we start to kind of focus a little bit more on healthcare. But 
at least with Super Bowl and sports, there's might be a superficiality there. Maybe some of the consumer brands, you know, they're funny and entertaining, quick hitting, dynamic. But there are some ads that touch upon healthcare and heavier topics. I remember there was something about family values last year or domestic violence, like things like that. So there is like a range of emotions there. But when we think about healthcare, where does healthcare start to fit in? Like how COVID has affected the public discourse and how healthcare is actually more relevant now to like public discussion to talk about general healthcare and therefore pharmaceuticals and healthcare advertising. So Zakia, how does healthcare play more of a role in public discourse? What we saw COVID do, healthcare became a household topic. Because mm-hmm. it meant more than like there was the discussion of if you were sick, how do you keep yourself from getting sick? It was vaccines. It was finding COVID tests. There were so many different points that everyone was talking about. Everyone had an opinion. So I think we also started to see healthcare messaging everywhere. Mm-hmm. We'd never like you could walk in the mall and it was like wear a mask. Everyone wear a mask or wash your hands, sanitize your hands. Like it became like the first time in our lifetime that we really saw a global healthcare initiative. When you think Mm -hmm. about it, like these are the things that you need to do to avoid COVID. Like it was the first time everyone was all talking about the same thing. And then since then, I think we've realized and we've seen it in social that it is the first place that Gen Z is going to look for healthcare information. They're going to social first. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it feels more authentic when it's coming from a real person who also has a similar experience, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? So where healthcare and advertising and social meet, I kind of feel like it's the perfect little like storm, essentially, right? Because there are the negatives and positives to healthcare being shared on social because there's misinformation and all these Mm -hmm. other things. But at the same time, it gives us an opportunity to get to those really rare communities. Like when we deal in healthcare, and we have a lot of rare diseases of people who cannot find a physical community where they are locally. And so they have to turn to social. So, right, mm-hmm. again, this is an opportunity where you know that you can target them and you can get your message exactly to the audience that is looking for it. So I don't know if I answered the question or not, but... That it's a perfect transition point for why like it's relevant to talk about healthcare advertising as entertainment or captivating because now it's been introduced more into the public sphere. It's more relevant, it's more top of mind for everybody, just general wellness and healthcare, but also our specific objectives, right? Our targeting of people that might only have spaces virtually and socially. So if we know we have to target people that are going to social, how do we cut through all of the other content that we know is on social? But we have to kind of when enrollment and be entertaining as well, right? But related to that, let's go back to the idea, Ben, that you were talking about, about transcending transactions, because what Zakia is saying is that these brands are playing a role in healthcare and the general well-being and that kind of trickling into the public space. How does the brand role, like whether it's life-saving oncology medication versus maybe just a topical daily improvement, how does that determine what kind of relationship that brands can have with their audience? Like some of that role kind of is inherent in the brand itself. It's like an oncology product, somebody who's searching that out or is being served those advertisements is dealing with a much more severe situation than someone who needs skin cream for mm-hmm. you know dry skin. So the role of, say, in this example, right, the skin cream is going to be about daily maintenance, but it also is a little bit less front of mind than a medication that somebody needs to take every day in order to keep their disease in remission or continue fighting that battle. But then I also think that's where contextually it's important for brands to show up in a way that fits within the context. 
we were talking about platform-based advertising earlier. The platform that I typically frequent the most often is probably Reddit or YouTube for that short form content. I've started to see more healthcare advertising on Reddit. Something that I've found interesting is that the ads that are on Reddit kind of fall into one of two categories. One, they are very transparent in what it is. It's like very clearly an ad. It has the safety information. It looks like a standard healthcare ad. Two, there's ads that kind of try to disguise themselves as like, oh, this could be something from a meme page or something else. To Zakia's point earlier, when you're scrolling through a platform and you're expecting something else, so if you're expecting humor or something that disengages your brain from all the other stuff you're dealing with in life, it could potentially come across as insensitive if you're advertising an oncology medication in like a meme format. Yeah. It creates this disjointed kind of like, well, I need this, but why are you making a joke out of this really serious situation that I'm facing? Mm -hmm. Versus a skin cream does something on TikTok that's all about like, oh my gosh, I can't stop itching. And the humor is coming from the patients making light of their situation. I think that's a, a completely different context because mm -hmm. then the patients themselves are writing the joke rather than mm -hmm. like a brand trying to force fit entertainment or force fit some sort of content that doesn't necessarily make sense in the context. And that's where you get the disengagement and the kind of like pushback from people of being very anti-brand as we as we kind of talked mm -hmm. about earlier. It goes back to also what Zakir was saying about authenticity, having those patients really tell their own stories and that conveys something that's more relatable versus a brand self-promoting. I'm give you a very different spectrum there, right? Like life-saving cancer medication and a topical treatment. But I think there's something to be said about the patient's story and then the emotions that we can tell with that, right? Because Dane, like what we were saying earlier in entertainment, yes, we think about like the lighter emotions and reactions. But when we think about the whole range of entertainment, it's the good and the bad. And when it comes to creating entertaining ads for something as, as heavy as an oncology medication or even something in rare liver disease, like a VR experience that shows the authentic parent's experience with a child that's sick. I know that there was a very emotional experience that we created with VR that rendered our HCPs in tears at a Congress. We love that. That's a great reaction. We'd love to get those tears, <laughs> which sounds like a terrible, evil thing, but it's still entertaining, but it's expressing those authentic stories. Dane, when it comes to those stories and those patients, like what kinds of reactions are at play in healthcare? What can we do with those unmet need stories? We have a big goal with healthcare advertising and it's not just, okay, sell the drug. I think it's getting both patients and HCPs alike to feel and to understand. And I think that's through empathy. So I think that's our strongest emotion here. We want HCPs to understand the struggle that patients are going through and kind of put them in the patient's shoes. And we want patients to understand that we know what they're going through and we recognize the struggles that they're going through. I think that's something really important to bring across. You know, and I would say to that, giving even those two very different examples of for an example, I did advertising for a skincare acne brand in mm -hmm. 2020 in the height of the pandemic. And what we found was that teens and young adults were afraid to be on camera because now you really could see if they had imperfections in their skin because it was like up close. And so we use that for advertising because you can relate to that. Like, ooh, do you have to get on Zoom? Like, so that's kind of like how we would appeal to them. But then when you think about something as serious as oncology, like you said, showing that real patient or that patient ambassador that knows exactly how that person feels and knows the emotions if you're a caregiver versus a patient and like what it's like the day to day, 
because we're not advertising to an audience of a certain disease. We're advertising to people living with a disease. And we have to remember that they are living with that. So what is it that we can do that can help simplify their day-to-day? How can we help them like that sympathy piece? Um, I know what that is. And if this could help me, if this could help me live easier day-to-day, you're going to capture my attention. So that's really how I think brands have to think about advertising in healthcare space is like, how do you help people live Mm -hmm. with this disease? They are not a disease. They are just living Mm -hmm. with it. So like, Mm -hmm. how do we make their day-to-day easier? I'd say just kind of taking it back to that original question, right? Like what role should a brand play in people's lives? I think Zakia hit it really well in the head, which is brands need to be self-aware enough and understand the true value that they provide and then demonstrate that they understand the context in which to provide that value. That's like the one, two kind of step process that actually makes interesting and entertaining advertising. We know what to do and we know how to tell you that understanding, basically. I do want to start winding down what are the emotions or the reactions that you like an ad to yield from you? Do you like when an ad is like, oh my God, shocking, like it hits you in the gut? Do you like when an ad is almost borderline inappropriate, you know, it shocks you like disruptively like that? Or do you like when an ad makes you cry or laugh? Like, what do you think is the ideal emotion to evoke? I'll start with Dane. So I think what I like versus what's most effective are different. I want to laugh. I want it to be like ridiculous i want to be like what did i just watch Mm -hmm. but usually i don't even remember what the brand was if it's like that and i think what's most effective is just something that kind of makes me feel in the shoes of the person that the ad is for and just kind of walk away with some positive maybe like a little sad or some like really feeling emotion i think it's kind of different depending That's a good point, because when I was thinking about when ads have struck me with emotions, I can't tell you for a lot of them what the brand actually was, but I can tell you what the ad was first. That ad made me cry. It was healthcare related, but I can't remember what the brand was or the old guy exercising so that he could lift up the child during Christmas. Made me cry, but I can't tell you what brand it was. But that's a good point. Ben, what are your thoughts on your preferred emotion versus what you might think is most effective? I'll start with the most effective. When BX is creating brands. We use a set of 12 archetypes that all kind of have a very specific outlook on the world. And when we work with clients, we'll typically try and distill down what archetype is this brand going to align with to have a very clear perspective on the world and how it acts and thinks and all that other stuff, right? The most effective emotions in advertising are ads that align all the way back down to that core archetype. An entertainer brand, for example, something like Skittles or Doritos is going to have a much more funny take on their advertising than a brand like Dove or an oncology brand, for example, is going to have a much more sentimental kind of tone within its advertising. So like the effectiveness of the emotion really needs to tie back to that core archetype. My preference, I tend to remember funny things more than I remember things that make me cry, as is evidenced by my remembering a Doritos commercial from 10 years ago. So to Dane's earliest point in the podcast, what do we find entertaining? That's down to the individual. Mm -hmm. And I think good advertising is something that's able to connect at the human level with everyone, or at least with most of the audience, which is beyond the scope of my one singular opinion. That's the tricky thing too, is that because just the term good is interpretable in so many different ways across people. That's why we do so much market research and insight mining and on that, right? Zakia, what are your thoughts? How do you like your ads to be served up and make you feel versus how you think it works? 
I want to laugh and I like the shock factor. It was an Orbit Bogum commercial where it's like the secretary and the wife and she's like, you lit liquor. And then they're like going back and forth. And for me, anything that has like little quick like bites that you can mm-hmm. then insert into your everyday and everybody knows what you're talking about. Like my friends, I'd be like, you lint liquor. Like we do, mm-hmm. like that's what I remember. And I, I mean, I don't really chew gum, but like I remember that because yeah. it was funny. Um, it was shocking. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so I just kind of remember those things. And that's I think that's also why like memes work so well for us, because it's that same idea, like what's a quick bite size that is expressing exactly what I want to say, you know? So um, but for me, I think anything that's most effective is did it invoke emotion? Mm-hmm. Whatever that emotion is, like did it invoke emotion? Then you have done your job kind of thing. I think those are always going to be the most effective. And you mentioned something, and I want you to put it in the show notes earlier about the Live Marley, the Miram VR campaign so that HCPs could understand how parents felt that had children living with allergial syndrome. Let's put the link to YouTube in there just because I think it's great for people to see a different way that you could advertise to someone in a caregiver mm-hmm. in a healthcare space to make mm-hmm. sure that they understood that the caregivers were being heard. Because, you know, you go into a doctor's office, you have 15 minutes with them. You try to remember everything over the last six months to a year since the last time you've been with them. And then we usually say nothing, right? We say, yep, all good. And then, you know, I think that's a great example for someone to use that's looking in healthcare advertising. Yeah, it's such a great example. You also reminded me of the out-of-context quote of berries and cream. Berries and cream, berries and cream. Everybody knows what you're talking about just from that random thing. And it was so random. (laughs) And it's like disruptive. It was a little bit of shock value because it's like, yeah, what am I looking at? But everybody remembers it and knows what it was. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, guys. I do want to wrap up. I want to thank you once again for taking the time to discuss some entertaining advertising and how we can take some of those insights and use them in our healthcare space. You can subscribe to Truth Well Spoken on your podcast network of choice. You can also reach out to us. Let us know if you'd like to hear something specific on a future episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com. Truth Well Spoken is produced by Jay Burkowski, Dina Raga, Dina Rao, Natalie Mercer, Melissa Kaczynski, and Kendall Coletti. Until next time, I'm Dina Rao, and thanks everybody for listening.